Welcome to Real Life at the Ridge, the preaching ministry of Chestnut Ridge Church. It's good to be here, and it is great to see you here. I'm thankful to God for His goodness. He has done great things, and He ain't done yet. By no means is He done yet. I'm going to get you to go ahead and you can find your place in John chapter 4. There's a reason there's no verses there, because we'll cover a lot of verses, but... Um, this morning, I want to um, I want to just introduce something to you this morning that we're going to go into a lot more detail uh, with over the next four weeks from this week, and then we'll progressively work our way um, further down the line. We're, we're going to be talking about several topics, and all of it's under the heading of one simple word, and it's called supernatural. Now, that sometimes that uh, might cause some differing thoughts in some people's minds. Why supernatural? Because there's a lot of shows and even channels that are dedicated to the supernatural. That's one reason I picked the word. I like teasing people with words. <laughs> sparking some interest but also like what God does did you know that God does things outside of our natural abilities did you know that God does things outside of the scope of the things that we learned in school like physical science and all the laws of nature when God does something that con goes contrary to those natural laws supernatural I'm excited about uh, introducing this, but I'm even more excited about seeing the, what comes out of the other end of it with us as a church body. We're going to spend five weeks talking about being filled up. Then we're going to dive in and spend several weeks talking about being geared up, the fact that we are all gifted, that we have spiritual gifts that God has given to us. We're going to talk about being signed up, that God wants us to register ourselves into this fight that Paul said was a good fight. And then we're going to be talking about how God wants to pour us out, how God wants to take what He does in filling us and our response to Him in realizing that He has gifted us and that He wants us to be a part of the kingdom ministry and He's going to pour us out. We're going to see what God does with it, and I'm excited already about, about it. So what I want to do is I want to give you just a brief overview of this text without going into reading each verse. 
because we'll actually cover the majority of the verses in this chapter. And we want to talk a little bit about us being supernaturally filled up. There's a group of people, Jesus and his disciples, that are traveling. Jesus being uh, led by the Spirit to go through Samaria and not go through a, go a route that he would typically take. He goes and he's wearied from a journey, sitting by a well, and a woman comes along. It's at the sixth hour. She's there in the middle of the day. We'll go into more detail possibly about why she was there at the middle of the day. And her and Jesus began to converse about some things. He's wearied physically from his journey. She is wearied physically, emotionally, mentally, every way you want to get. She's wore out with life. Jesus begins to tell her about what he could do in her life if she would just realize who it is that she was talking to and who was talking to her. And then he challenges her life. He changes her life. And then the next thing you know, other people's lives are changed. It's kind of a, uh, really is kind of the setup as to how God wants to work in all of our lives through ministries. So <clears throat> that being said, let me open in prayer and let's, let's dive in. Father, as we get ready to go through some scripture and to just talk about a few things, to set the stage for what I believe you're going to do for months in our lives. And hopefully it won't stop, it'll continue, but God, would you be so sweet, Father, as to give me the, the words that need to be said, and that the Spirit of God would speak to the hearts and lives of the people that are here, mine included. And God, would you do something supernatural whenever you so choose. In Christ's name, amen. <clears throat> I was going through my ministry life in a what I believe to be a rather good pace. Although I'd been through some interesting times where we, I would get wore out, I'd go, uh, we'd get rested up and go again and do that over and over again. I looked around me and I said, you know, God's doing amazing things. And truthfully, he was doing some amazing things, but then I, when I do an assessment of it, I go, there are some things that I can look at that God did that was supernatural. We had so many times coming, and especially just in my ministry here at Chestnut Ridge, to where for many years at the end of the month we'd have, if we had $3,000, we counted ourselves lucky, blessed. I mean, and some people go, $3,000 is a lot of money. Depends on what your bills are. <laughs> Depends on what you're putting out. If you, if you can put that out in a couple days, then $3,000 is tight. We had plenty of months we finished up that was $400, $600. Those are nail biters there. But you know, there were so many times to where we actually had had all four of our Sundays, 
if it was a four Sunday month, we'd had all four of our Sundays, and we had maybe a, a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or something left in the month, and I would text Miss Susan, back when Miss Susan, before she retired from doing finances, I'd text her and I'd say, Miss Susan, I said, we're, what we looking like? She said, well, right now we're about four grand in the red. <gasps> My heart goes, within 24 hours before the month would end, would end she would text me back with this praise report that somebody just stopped by the house and dropped a $4,000 check. And that happened over and over again. I look at that. But then I look at things in my own, from my ministry perspective, and I go, you know, really, that was not really supernatural. Anybody could have done that if they had the skill set. I was in a Bible study just off Sam Wilson Road. I'd been going to this Bible study for a great while. I'm sitting there, and there's, there's about 12 to 15 pastors, ministry leaders there. It's on a Wednesday. It starts at 10 o'clock. I think I got there a few minutes late. Walked in. I sit down just off in a corner with a man named Sean Burton. They're talking about the topic for that day, and they're all deep in discussion, and I'm in a daze, which if anybody knows me or has known me, for me to be in a situation like that and keep my mouth shut, it, it alarms some people. And they, um, Sean looks over at me, and he says, Jesus loves you, buddy. And I'm like, Sean, I said, yeah, I got you, <laughs> you know. And he said, you're not listening to me. Jesus loves you, man. And I said, Sean, I know Jesus loves me. Got it. Go back to studying. He said, you still ain't listening to me. He said, Greg, he said, Jesus Christ loves you, man. And when he said that, God run a passage of Scripture across my heart out of Matthew to where it says, I am to love my neighbor as myself. And then he said something to me that has impacted me for a, from that day forward. He said, if you loved your neighbor the way that you're loving you, your neighbor would move out of your neighborhood. I got up out of my seat. I don't know how far we were into the study, and I walked out the door. I got out in my truck, and I sat there for a few minutes, and I cried for a little bit, drove down the road, and I stopped, and I cried a little more. And he was right. He was right. I had took care of everybody around me. I mean, I, there was very few people around me that wanted to be taken care of, and that's an important thing, that I didn't do everything I could to try to take care of my family, church, community, my neighbors in my neighborhood. But I did not take care of me. Then my mind went back to Bat Cave Baptist Church. The weekend prior to March the 16th, 2000, and, and let's see, that would have been 2006. Many years prior to me meeting with Sean, 
I didn't know who the guy was at the time, come to find out he was one of the leaders of the Henderson County Rescue Mission. I'd never met him before, but we were at Bat Cave Baptist Church on a Sunday night. And they were commissioning me to go off to pastor my first pastor first church. And this guy walks up to me after everybody's hugging and crying and praying and doing all that stuff. He walks up to me and he says, can I share something with you? And I said, sure, by all means. He said, a dry well and a dry preacher will pump mud sooner or later. He said, you better keep your well full, he said, because they're coming to dip. Patted me on the shoulder and walked out the door, and I never seen him again. Later on, I was like, I asked Pastor David, I said, man, who was that dude? What dude? I'm like, the, the, the dude that was, he said, oh, he said, that's the dude that works up at the Henderson County Rescue Mission. Come to find out that that guy, I just found out his story last week because I talked to Pastor David again. He had went through a breakdown so bad that he was institutionalized for a while. See, he worked at a place where everybody was coming to dip. And everybody had all kinds of problems and things and you know, Jesus Christ in this text is going to give this woman something that she'll never forget. And that's what I pray that you get today is something you'll never forget. I want to share a couple of thoughts with you, and the first of which is simply this. My flesh is limited. And you say that might... That, that's pretty trivial. <laughs> it might seem trivial, but I want to show you a verse of Scripture that might make it a, come, come a little bit uh, more alive to you. Let me begin with verse 1 and just read down, and we'll catch ourselves there at verse 6. Verse 1 of chapter 4 says, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus had baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And verse 6 says, Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It's about the sixth hour. I don't know about you, but I didn't think Jesus could get tired. Now, I know that the Lord does not slumber nor sleep. I know that when I get to heaven, there will be no need for the sun that we see in the sky. Why? Because the S-O-N is going to be the light. He'll never go out. And forever and ever and ever, He will shine light to those of us for all of eternity that are there with Him. But the Bible says here that Jesus was wearied from His journey. He had allowed himself to be limited, limited to a degree by a body of flesh when he came to be born of the Virgin Mary, the incarnation, God with us. He allowed himself to be weird uh, or to be limited with this body. And so Jesus has been traveling, and this body that he is in, it's tired. And he sits by, well, you know what that tells me? 
If Jesus, the body that the Lord Jesus lived in that was a flesh and blood body on the face of this planet gets tired, mine do too. Mine do too. And yours do too. We're not supermen. Not super women. We love sitting around watching all these shows, don't we? Fantastic Four, the Marvel comic stuff come alive in all of these shows. We watch the, the Avengers and that kind of stuff, and you can judge me later, whatever you want to do. But we, it's, 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 isn't it fun, just fascinating, the idea that somebody does not have the limitations? You know, leap tall buildings in a single bound. Did you know that my limitations are universal? I have universal limitations. That's what I want you to get across, get, get, get this morning for just a few moments, is that my limitations and your limitations, we have universal limitations. I don't care how much you train or whatever you want to do, you will never see a human being run a 40 in two seconds ain't going to happen. Why? Limitations. At some point in time, everybody that's ever raced a car realizes that it costs a lot of money to get those last few tenths. But did you know that our bodies are limited to this physical world too? We get tired. We need sleep. As a matter of fact, that's why the Lord instituted the Sabbath. One of the reasons that the Lord instituted the Sabbath is time to rest. I know God did not need to rest when He created this world, but He set a standard for us that you need to take a little bit of time to chill out. And I know there's more to the Sabbath than that, but what I'm trying to get across to you is that you and I suffer the same limitations that everybody else suffers on the face of this planet. We will grow old and we will die but did you know that I suffer personal consequences that add to those limitations? You and I suffer personal consequences, and they add to those. See, there's, there's a lot of things that we have in common when it comes to our limitations. But when you look at the life of this lady, and I want to do that by taking the Scripture and, and, and walking down, she added some limitations to her life. And you and I, we do that by choices we make. Did you know that you have the right to make some choices? Now, I believe in what's called God's perfect will and God's permissive will, and I believe all of that is within God's realm of control. That there is God's perfect will, what God would want for your life and for my life, but then there's this permissive will. In other words, there's this set of boundaries that God will allow you and allow me to walk in. Bumpers, guardrails, whatever you want to call them. And within that, there's God's permissive will, what God permits. I, I like to use the dog off of Foghorn Leghorn. Some of y'all don't know who Foghorn Leghorn is. But the dog always has so many lengths of chain, and Foghorn Leghorn thinks he knows how many lengths he's got until the dog tricks him, and there's the line that he thinks it, but he moves the line, and, well, the rooster gets caught. But, but I think that in our lives, God has limitations for us in His permissive will and yes, because we're His children, He is going to keep us in certain boundaries. He's even outside of those things, the lost world and everybody, He's got it covered. But for you and I, there's an ability to make choices. This lady makes some choices. Let's look at them starting in verse 6. For one, just to notice at the end of the verse, it was about the sixth hour. 
It is very much believed that this lady came at a time when not many people would come to draw water. Even in the regular course of our day, we would just think if I had tasks like this to do, I'd want to get them over with early, right? Because this is one of the major tasks that she has of her day. Uh, and, but if nothing else, you're going to come in the cooler parts of the day, early in the morning, late in the evening. She comes right in the middle of the day. It's kind of obvious that there's probably not a lot of people around. The reason that there's not a lot, she wants to be there when there's not a lot of people around, I believe, is the fact that her life is an absolute mess, and she is trying to alienate herself from everybody because they're going to judge her. The, the, the society she lives in at this particular point in time, it's not any different than the Jewish folks. They're, they're going to throw stones at her. They're going to try to uh, ridicule her and tear her down because of the choices. So let's look at, look at some things here. So verse 16, I'd like to draw you uh, attention to verse 16 and, and a few verses following. She's having a dialogue with Jesus Christ. We'll hit these other verses in just a minute. But she's having a dialogue with Jesus Christ, talking about the water and the well. And she, Jesus says to her, why don't you go and call your husband and come here? The woman answered and said to him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you, whom you have now is not your husband, in that you truly spoke. Verse 19 said, the woman said to him, her, him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. She's never met Jesus before. He is not a part of her local community. Yet he knows all these things about her life, and the things that he knows about her life speaks of the fact that she has added limitations in her life or ha has consequences that has added limitations to her life. Her life is lived different. Her m moral uh, compass is off. Her, her uh, dignity and her worth seems to be at an all-time low. Why? Because of choices that she made. And let me just say this to you this morning. You, ha you have a body that you're living in, and if you do not realize that that body has limitations, then you are trying to play God. And you and I, are neither, none of us are God. You can't do everything for everybody. You can't even do everything for yourself. And then on top of all that, you take the choices that we make, and we add extra things to our lives, whether we choose to take a job that's going to be outside the will of God, in other words, you're going to take a job that's going to weary you down so much so that you can't even serve him. That's a choice you make. Consequences come off of it. You'll suffer limitations because of it. You won't be able to come to church. You won't be able to study your Bible. We could go on and on and on. Or you won't be able to be around your family and help them out. You won't be able to help nobody out. Now, things change. I'm not nailing the job situation down. Those things are in flux all the time. But get my point. We have to realize. See, I didn't realize in my life that, there, that, that I had limitations. That was pre-40 years old. Can I get a witness? Now as 50 is knocking on my door, I'm starting to learn even more and more. But see, I thought that I was Superman. I thought that I could do everything for everybody, and I was trying to make everything happen now, there's some folks that don't care whether something happens or not. But I'm trying to, I believe that, that folks that are saved, they believe they ought to serve. And that's what I'm trying to get across to you this morning, is that when we get down the road and we start talking about being poured out, you need to make sure that you're filled up before you ever start thinking about being poured out. And that's why we're going to go through these five weeks. The first thing you've got to realize is that you can't do 
everything. And Jesus, I remember him talking to the disciples one time. Judas is stealing money out of the treasury, right? But yet, this, this lady busts this vial of oil and pours it out for the glory of God. And, and, and they said, Judas goes, you should have sold that. We could have fed the poor. And Jesus makes an, an interesting statement. He says, the poor you have with you always. But me you only have for a limited amount of time. And I'm paraphrasing. But you only have me for just a little while. And the whole picture there is the fact that there are always going to be people in need. I thought it was my job to alleviate everybody's issues. You know, and God had to sit me down and help me realize, son, you need to worry about some of your own issues. You can't do everything for everybody. And he never told me or you that our life was to be lived to take care of everybody else he said love your neighbor how church as yourself that's an interesting word isn't it and when you look it up it really means what it says you're to love your neighbors like yourself so what i do for others i should be at least doing equally for me and see i was in my life there's no way i could have done anything for me because I was doing so much for others. Do you realize that those limitations? So at some point, somewhere in there, there's got to be a balance. Moms, Mother's Day's coming up soon. You better balance. Husbands, you better balance. Wives, you better balance it. There is nothing that God has against you taking care of you. God just don't want you to take better care of yourself than you do other people. Did you know that natural resources are also limited? Natural resources are also limited. I'm limited. You're limited. But all of our resources are limited also. And did you know that limited resources can never fill broken vessels? I want to take you on something that I, I think is very interesting, a journey that I think is very interesting in this text. Let's go back to around verse 7. That woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. Verse 8 says, For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. There's a lot we could get into, but this morning I, I don't want to do all that. I want to just overview some things. And Jesus answered and said to her, verse 10, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Got her attention now. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is very deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. I don't know if you know this, but there is a seriously deep spiritual conversation going on between these two folks, between Jesus and this lady. A lot deeper than the surface. But let me take you to the surface just a moment. 
I have plans to do some work around my house. Our house, not my house. Our, our house. Whew, almost, that was close. Um, the courts will remind me of whose <laughs> who's house. Our, our house. Um, so, moving right along. Yeah. Um, but I have plans. I think I've located me some cedar posts and some things. I want to do some stuff around the front porch. That's a precious commodity nowadays. By the grace of God, I think I've located some. And it will probably seem like a supernatural event when I get out there and get to work to my wife. It won't to me because, I mean, I've done plenty of things with my hands. She's like, are you sure it's going to look right? And I'm like, baby, you, you do remember all the years that you saw me working to and die and all these other things and all. She's like, I just want to make sure. <laughs> so it may seem like a supernatural event to her when all this happens. But there really ain't nothing supernatural about that. Just going to cut some boards, bolt some things together, put some stain on some stuff. And I mean, I understand that God made the trees, that made the posts, that yeah, I get all that. And God made me, and he gave I get all that. This woman comes to Jesus, or comes to the well, she meets Jesus. He's challenging her about some water that he has, living water. And she said, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well? His sons drank from it, his livestock drank from it. And all of us are drinking from it. But did you know that digging a well ain't nothing no different than putting up post? That's all it is. It's just common everyday stuff. But did you know that this lady and possibly many others were dependent upon common everyday stuff to get through life? One of the greatest hopes she has in her life is when she gets to that well, there's going to be water in it. And there are many folks in this room, just, just like I was and just like I can be again very easily, that the most amazing thing in your life is the fact that the lights are on in this room and you get to come in here once a week or that something else happens. You know, I think about Jesus taking five loaves and two fish and feeding thousands of people. That ain't normal. I don't know about you. I like fishing, and I like having fish fries. Fish fri yeah, fish and fries, but I like doing fish fries. <laughs> but I know one thing's for sure. I, I know when I have my whole crew together I know how many fish I better prepare I know how much fish and how much how many fries and all that stuff better be there because and, and just a little extra just in case because I've never supernaturally multiplied fish before if we depend on limited resources to get through our life we will always have to come back and get more and more and more and more and more. And it is a task that we have to do. She had to come get that water 
he's going to tell her, I'll put something that will start springing up inside of you. Did you know that partially filled vessels can never fill other vessels? Partially filled vessels can never fill other vessels. I was going to have, and maybe some other time I'll do it, but I was going to get two containers and hook a hose between the two containers and put a half of a jug of water in this one, or just about a half and just about a half, and sit there and let you see that there's no way for you to fill both of those vessels when they're partially full. You can fit, put everything into one, but you have nothing in the other one. And you can sit here and do this all day long, but that's what the natural resources in this world, they're not meant to fill the void that is in us. A relationship with somebody is not meant to fill that void, unless the relationship's with Jesus Christ. You, you with me? That if everything we draw from is a friend, a, a car, um, a job, a, a husband, a wife, or, or whatever we want to throw in there, you know, it, it's, it's not going to do it. I'm not sitting here harping on the whole gambling thing by no means. But you're going to see before your very eyes when that casino comes over here hundreds if not thousands of people a day going in and out of that place and it's going to a well to draw that they'll have to go back to and draw again and draw again but it never will fill them and if it won't fill them it sure ain't going to allow them to help fill other people how many of you in here want to give something to somebody else I hope hands go up everywhere I mean, because generosity ought to be something that God births in your heart. You ought to be a generous person. Let me just say this. If you're a codger just holding on to everything you've got, get all you can, can all you get, sit on the can, you need to have a little talk with Jesus. Jesus don't give us resources for us to just hold on to resources just so we got resources. There's some people that think that they're filled up, but they're as empty as a whitewashed tomb, empty. I want to help other people. I want to for the glory of God. See, that's what I was doing. I thought I was doing all of those things for Him. And in my heart, the intent of my heart, it was to do it for Him. And I know there were some things along the way in His will, but I look back and I go, I wonder how many of those things was just me trying to serve Him. Just me wanting to say that at the end of the day, I clocked out and said, I did everything Jesus wanted me to do that day instead of realizing that I don't have the resources to help other people. All I can do is put a post up on a porch. Did you know that... You, you and I, we can't do miracles. Oh, yes, we can. Well, be careful now. Can you do supernatural things by yourself? In your own flesh, by yourself? No. The answer to that question is absolutely 100% not. Aren't you glad to know that God has no limits? That God has no limits. We serve a God that is limitless. 
My God is so big, come on, folks, and so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. It'd do us a good, uh, good to run through the children's church for a couple of weeks so that we might learn again that my God is so big, so strong, so mighty that there's nothing my God can't do. And I believe that. But to fully believe it, you've got to live it. Look at verses 17. I want to read verses 17 through 25. We're going to read several verses. We're going to bring this thing to a close. Did you know that only God can fill up an eternal void? I'll let you get that one down before we move, move on to reading. But only God can fill up an eternal void. I can put some, a deposit in my wife's emotional love bank by doing some honeydews around the house. We'll talk about that later on uh, through, through this series. But for her to be satisfied, guys, I want you to hear me. For her to be satisfied, she's got to go to Jesus. She's got to go. To, I, contrary to what you think about you. <laughs> You can't do it. You've got to take her to him. That's why husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, and that you take her and sanctify her by the washing of the water of the word of God. He's the only one that can do it. And you and I and ladies, same goes for y'all. We can do all we want to do. We'll never be able to satisfy the people around us unless we take them to the cross. And see, that's what I wanted for my neighbor. I wanted them to have Jesus. I wanted them to be full of the life of God, but in all the while trying to give them that, I should want the same thing for me. Verse 17, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus answered her, you have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one whom you have now is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. And the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, there, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming. And now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And the woman said to Him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. Just as a side note, just to show you here, she knew because she had been taught that there was one coming that was greater than any of them on the face of this planet. He knew every intimate detail of her life. And did you know that that's how God starts filling your life? Is He exposes the areas that He wants to fill and what's in those areas. She had been filling her life up. Now, I don't know. They could have, some of them guys could have been some serious bums, but... I know in counseling, and I'm, this ain't, I'm not trying to say this is scripture, I'm just trying to tell you in counseling, when you've got somebody that's been married 15 times, you go, 
you know, could it possibly be? I'm just saying, there might be a slim chance that there's something wrong with you. Not sure about this, but, you know, could possibly be. Do you know that only God can create overflow that impacts eternity? Only God can create overflow that impacts eternity. I think that God wants to do something in every single person in this room, every single person watching online, that God wants to use you in a great way. You'll never be able to be everything you, God wants you to be until you are overflowing. God does not want me to give myself to other people. God wants me to give myself to Him and let Him give Himself to other people through me. Because, see, if all they get's me, well, y'all know what that's like, right? It's okay, and there's a place for it. But we're talking about eternity. We're talking about eternal things. I want you to understand. I'm not talking about things of flesh and blood. You see, God wants us to love other people. Do you know that when just that one verse, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. There's an intent there. For God so loved the world, but there's an investment there that He gave His only Son. Can you give somebody with all the intent that you want to have? You can have all the great intentions you want to have, but can you give them eternal life? You can give them soup, give them a cup of water, and there's nothing wrong with that. But at the end of the day, we need to be able to give them eternal life. And here's what I've come to learn, that the gospel is supernatural. I have shared the gospel a lot in my time as a Christian. When I moved to North Carolina, I had that was uh, September when I actually moved to North Carolina. Christy moved mid-summer. I moved September of 2003. I had to finish my responsibilities with Michelin. And I moved the week, the, uh, and I moved up there the weekend before we started school at Fruitland. She was settled in with the kids. I went by and talked to Ray Elder, the guy that led me to faith in Jesus Christ. He is working in the records room. He's in heaven right now, worshiping. He, he's not suffering from diabetes. Nothing else. He told me about Jesus Christ. Christ was overflowing out of his life because he had a personal relationship. He didn't do everything right. But I watched the gospel that he shared transform people. Save them. I was one of them. And I went to him there in the records room. He was in between churches, and I know his life felt like a failure at that moment. And I went to him, and I said, Ray, went right up in the records room there at Fairfield Memorial Hospital. Ain't like they got a lot of security. Went to the records room, and I said, Ray, I'm fixing to leave. I'm going to Fruitland to study. I said, now I want you to know something, buddy. I said, I'm not in no 
mass group, not in nothing. I said, I have personally, since the day that you saved me, I have personally led 98 people to saving faith in Jesus Christ. That was August 1999, the day that I got saved. September 2003, one-on-one, hand-in-hand, shared Jesus Christ with people, 98 of them. And I said, Ray, I ain't done yet, brother. And God ain't done yet. He ain't finished. And I'd love to tell you that everybody that I've shared the gospel with thus far since that point, that I was full when I did. And I'm not saying me being full is going to make people get saved or not be saved. But I want you to know that the Word of God is alive. It's real. And it lives in us. And I believe that the, word, that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And I believe that God wants to work in your life, but understand something. You'll never ever be able to be what God wants you to be until you're filled up to overflowing. And the only person that can do that is Him. He's the only one. You'll never be able to be the mom that you need to be, the dad that you need to be, the husband, the wife, the, the worker, the co-worker, the manager of a company. You'll never be able to be those things that you need to be for the glory of God until you're filled up by him and I just want to tell you this I've never seen him fail us if you will trust him and you will do things his way I promise you God will show himself to be who he is and that's what we're looking for I'm going to ask you to stand with me for just a moment as we get ready to to close right where you're at if you would, I want you to, to allow God to challenge you with a question or two. Number one, simply, are you filled to overflowing with the Spirit of God? It's just a simple question. How do I know? Uh, you'll know that you have the life of Jesus Christ so manifest in your life that it's not you who's living, it's Him who's living in and through you. That you regularly, every day, have a devotion life with Him. You read His Word, you meditate, you pray, you're concerned about others. You're concerned about your own spiritual welfare. Today is the day of salvation, but He also says that you are to work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. And, and so are all those things happening in your life so much so that everybody around you is not really seeing you so much. They're seeing Jesus Christ, and they just can't understand what's going on in your life. I think we've allowed ourselves to be satisfied with mediocrity. We've allowed ourselves to, to limit God, not that you can limit Him, but we have allowed ourselves to limit our view of who God is. And I'm telling you right now, I'm tired of it. My God's bigger than the things that I have seen in my life. Much bigger than, than that. And I'm ready to see Him work. I hope you are too. Thank you for listening today. Pastor Greg wants to share with you how the gospel changed his life and how it can change yours too. You know, Tim, it was the gospel that saved me. I'll never forget when Ray Elder came into my life 
God put him there and he shared the truth of the gospel with me that I was a sinner, that Christ died for my sins, and that if I would accept him as the Lord of my life and follow him, that he would change my life. And that's exactly what he's done. I wonder if that's something that you would like to do today, that you would today before God just admit, you know, God, I'm a sinner, I'm lost, and I need you. And God, I believe that Christ died on the cross for me, and I want to accept his payment today for, for my sins, and I want to live for him from this point forward. If you pray that prayer today, we want to welcome you into the family of God. We also want to encourage you to contact us. You'll find a link below where you can reach us, and so we look forward to hearing from you. so much that he gave his son for us. Amen. God bless you guys.